The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Rotterdam Breakdown. This is where I usually say something clever, but let's just do the damn thing. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom and we are once again back with the breakdown show it was a quite a long break <laughs> quite a lot happened but we're back uh, it, w- it was a needed break and uh i'm excited i'm excited because uh despite you know all the the, the new news that i broke last week here on this program I actually didn't really break it here but you know talked about it here uh working with junkie um the protect your neck podcast <sighs> It's still going, baby. It's still going. So you get the best of both worlds. We'll be doing the in-depth analysis, breakdown, betting. Maybe a little shorter on this one, I'll be honest. Uh, one, because uh, eh, it's uh, not the strongest card. Um, in fact, uh, the card may be really short depending on what websites you're looking at because like all the websites from odds to outlets to otherwise are listing different fights for this card because it's just it's been just a fucking musical sh- chairs shit show but also uh game of thrones finale I, i'm recording this wednesday night but yeah i uh i i i haven't got a chance to watch game of thrones uh so me and the girlfriend are going to be watching game of thrones here after this so i i uh i don't want to <laughs> hold that up too so there's a lot of things at play here but either way we're going to give you the goods um Give you what I'm playing, which is very very little. If, if that you know uh, tip off wasn't enough already, as far as the strength of this card. But yeah, uh, either way, you're gonna get the analysis, you can get my takes, you're gonna get my opinions, and uh, we'll be getting to those shortly. Just a couple things off the top. Uh, I have written May Mac Fallout, but the Fallout is so crazy that I don't even want to really step into it. And man, in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't really. Step- <laughs> Step into it too deeply in the beginning. This it was kind of just fun to watch it all happen as far as the event itself, like I covered, and you know now it's just everybody's takes and just flinging stuff. It's crazy. It's it's like it's like war. It's bedlam out there. So I just had my popcorn. I'm just watching it, you know, like like a fan. But yeah, so I'm gonna skip any Maymac Fallout stuff. We'll skip that. Um, military trip. Yeah, that was interesting. This podcast getting kicked off a little late. I got got off the phone with. Uh, can't say a lot, you know, but. Uh, your boy here, uh, part of the new digs, part of the new, um, uh, part of the new job, uh, is I get to do uh, this fun uh, correspondent little. Uh, I mean, not correspondent is not the right word. What's the word here? Well, anyways, if you follow the guys on MMA Junkie Radio, you'll know from you know Iraq, to, you know Fort Benning, all these different places. They they have to do these uh, things for the troops, and they facilitate with UFC fighters. Uh, you know, they've had like you know. Jake Ellenberger and you know, Stitch Duran and some other people. They went out to uh, you know I- I- Iraq one year. I think you know, last year you had uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Um, uh, I believe uh, some other fighters uh, that that went out with them. They used that Valentina. You know when she was clearing rooms. I believe for the Juliana Pena countdown. Um, they used uh, they used footage from there. We're actually going back to that that, that base. That's Fort Eustis uh, Langley. And 
I think uh, the last trip was uh, uh who was it? Uh, Brad Tavares, Kevin Lee, Felice Herrig. And uh this trip uh well, you know, I don't even know if we can say yet. So I don't know if, I don't know if I should be be saying it, but yeah, some UFC fighters and uh I'm going to go along and kind of uh, document that um some journalistic duties, more on the journalistic side, but a really good experience and hard to say no because um, Dan Tom did not serve, but Dan Tom was a fan of the military. He had many family members, uh, active or veterans of past wars, so always had a big respect and maybe coming up through martial arts, having that similar military discipline. Yes, sir. This and that. I was really drawn to it and actually um, planned on, uh, planned on, planned on, you know, what well, you know, high school Dan Tom aspirations and didn't fall through on him, so obviously take it with a grain of salt. But, yeah, Dan Tom wanted to be Special Forces back in his day. I was like, you know, let's see. I was able to get some black belts and travel around the world. I want to do some real shit. Uh, fortunately, my stepdad, who's a Vietnam vet, did five tours as Special Forces <laughs> Screaming Eagle Squadron. You see the uh, ins and outs of it, and uh, he, he supports the military. He didn't talk me out of it, but uh, let's just say, you know, as I got older, I did my research and this and that. And then also, I didn't test very well. Dan, Dan Tom's a terrible test taker. So when I saw what I scored in like ASVAB and stuff like that, I was like, okay, yes, I'm not going to be able to maybe get into, you know, places where maybe I want to get into. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I decided to join a punk rock band instead. Neither here nor there. I still have a big high regard for the military, uh, uh, you know, um, and all that, and, and and their sacrifices. And I'm not saying that to be cheesy. It sounds very cheesy, even as I'm saying it to you now. But uh, honestly, uh, I had a real, not even soft spot, but just a just a real spot for the military in my heart, as far as that goes. You know, not not to be all America, pro America, not in that sense, but as far as just um, as human beings, what that takes, that discipline, and that sacrifice. You know, um, separating the political stuff. That that's what I respect from it. Anyways, uh, I'm really excited on that. I guess I'll just, I don't want to say more than I can, but man, whew, I'm excited. We're going to see some shit out there. And uh, Dan Tom's not careful. I'm going to get into some shit. Either way, we're going to have coverage. That, that's part of the reason why I'm going out there. So uh, we'll be blasting that out. I just don't want to give any details prematurely. So stay tuned to MMA Junkie and MMA Junkie Radio for that. Um, and of course, I'll be giving you updates here. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that trip. That's actually happening next week, so you don't have to wait too long. Um, so sorry for giving you just, just a hard tease there, or weak tease, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, yeah. Um, is it bad that I'm thinking about Game of Thrones while I'm recording this podcast? I'm thinking about, thinking about Game of Thrones while I'm recording this podcast. I was able to avoid spoilers too, which is crazy because, you know... Fuck, man. The art of spoilers is like spoilers are just a thing now. Like I just, I just accept it. Maybe it's like social media is growing like crazy. You can't get – but it's, it's so bad. Like it's just like I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I hope this character is okay. <laughs> those, those, those are the fucking kind of posts you're seeing where it's like, like – uh, uh, I think I was listening – oh, even I was listening to freaking Rogan and Shab on the podcast. They were like talking about like uh, – He's talking about a character or whatever, uh, about Joffrey, and, and, and Shaw was spoiling something from, like, season three or some shit, and probably, I don't know what season it was, but, and <laughs> Rogan goes, quiet, even though that's old, he's defending that a spoiler is a spoiler, and I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, arguable, but over the top, but I respect that, I'd rather, you know, see safety preach with spoilers than anything, but Rogan's retort, he goes, don't spoil Joffrey, but, oh, I hope you don't care about X character that is affected in 
X seat or most relevant season that's going on right now. Like, so he essentially counters again. I'm trying to recap the story without committing their same crime, but he essentially counters Shab's, you know, season three. Let's just say for the sake of argument, spoiler with the most relevant season up to date, four seasons later, whatever the fuck season they're on now. Spoiler, like it's it's terrible. Like, I don't think people understand the art of spoilers. It's insane, and. Yeah, you got to draw a certain line, like, you know, people are like, oh, if something's 10 years old, you should be able to spoil it. Like, uh, that's true, but then, you know, that's also depending. Like, if you're, for example, if you're a film podcast and people are tuning in to be educated on film, and there are a lot of classics that um, would be much more effective um, if you didn't know the spoiler. And there are certain things where it's like, okay, well, it's, you should have seen it. It's a classic, but at the same time, if you're into film enough to listen to a film podcast and we're going ahead and we're trying to give you a reason to watch it well spoiling it kind of ruins the sake of that so there are specific arguments but yeah i fucking hate spoilers i'm not going to rant any further on that um oh the new handle i was talking about on the last podcast new handle i ended up going with it i kind of decided like impromptu on the podcast but it made sense so i ended up going with yes at dan tom mma uh no longer at the mm analyst which stood for mixed martial analyst which was or is the site, and I'm not saying past tense, Mixed Martial Analyst is still there, library still exists, and uh, all the click-throughs also still exist. Thank y'all for been using the Amazon click-throughs and, and, and on it click-throughs and stuff. Y'all y'all kick ass. Uh, I'm not forgetting about it. Uh, I still have certain things I want to add as far as YouTube channel and certain things like that for my uh, you know content, maybe perhaps others, uh, in, in, but, but um, you know... Uh, yes, breakdowns, exclusivity. Hopefully this week. Hopefully as you're hearing this, we're, we're working it out. You know, you know how it is. It's the first one, but uh, yes, my breakdowns are moving to MMAJunkie.com, and we're looking to keep the same format. Um, oh, I don't think the betting stuff will be on there, but it's like the format that you've come to know, love, and in-depth stuff, all the stuff that sets it apart. Yes, it is going to be there. So if you are listening to this, you well, you're lucky. You're gonna get the best of both worlds then too, because you're. You'll have the print you can listen to, but uh, of course the betting and the tidbits, that's right. You're going to get right here in the Protect Your Neck podcast. So since we're 10 minutes in, let's get the fuck to it, shall we? UFC Rotterdam. So depending where you're looking, shit subject to change. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, Andrew Holbrook versus T-Ball Guti. Um, it's listed on five diamonds, but almost listed nowhere else. The only reason why I ended up breaking it down and going through with the tape study is because... On Andrew Holbrook's Instagram, social media, you can see that he is actually, in fact, in Rotterdam. So, unless Andrew Holbrook, you know, a fight got canceled and he's like, fuck it, I'm going to go there and go get high or something, then I, I think he's there to fight. Uh, so, yeah, that fight's definitely going on. So, as I pull up the odds, which I thought were already pulled up, but I believe Andrew Holbrook, you know, this is Wednesday night, so it might be changing by the time you hear this. I might not be editing this till late, or I might hold off to editing until... Is it morning time? Depends. Nah, I'll edit after this. Don't be lazy, Dan. But Andrew Holbrook comes in at minus 170. That's what I was going to say. I should have went with it. T-Bull Goody plus 140. And at first, I'm like, ah, oh, this is playable. Hol Holbrook was one of those awkward grappler guys. You know, Dan, uh, awkward southpaw grappler. Dan likes to defend live underdogs, which he, he was in the Matthews fight. Maybe, uh, you know, made me feel less bad about that. Um, but, you know, you've seen some chin issues. He was rocked by uh, Ramsey Nijim in a fight that I thought he lost, by the way. You know, w w um, so you look at it, he only has one close split decision win against Jake Matthews in his four fights, getting stopped in two of those, the two losses. Uh, Hakeem Silva obviously packs a punch. 
not really a shame there. But then, you know, in, within 15 seconds, Gregor Gillespie, who's, you know, prospect, this and that, but prospect from the NCAA wrestling, you know, not necessarily the best striker. You know, he looked to pick up on it fast as far as in and out pulling returns, but it was just a 1-2, a 3-2, or 2-3, or something like that. And Holbrook was fucking out, like, in 20 seconds. So that's really worrisome. But Goody, three-fight, losing streak, getting finished. Uh, rear naked choke, submitted, and TKO'd, um, which even if the ref let it go longer against Chad Priest, I think it was going to be inevitable there. Uh, so, I mean, Goody's definitely live, even though I immediately wanted to kind of write him off. That being said, this should be an avoid. But considering that, which I'll get to, the reason why, well, there's nothing really to reference as far as parlay listed. So, again, props to you because I'm going to give it to you here. But a little foreshadow as far as the you know, parlay pieces, not a lot to like because I feel that um, some of the most live dogs are paired up with what you would think would be solid favorites, at least so the prices of minus 300 to 400 would justify, which are pricey alone, even if you're putting that money behind a good name much less a shit show name. But odds makers are degenerates themselves, just like us degenerate gamblers. So when you have crappy cards like this, you get a little desperate and looking for the favorite. So sometimes these little lines are almost a little bit worth playing as far as these close lines that usually just on value alone, you kind of stay away from um, as far as straight plays or putting weight, weight into it as far as your parlay pieces go. But I don't blame you if you feel like either side here. There, there, there's that... <laughs> There's value in that, but I'm I'm waiting to see that where the does not go the distance because I feel like Goody's either gonna knock him out or Holbrook's gonna sub him again. It's Wednesday night, so these lines have not been released yet. They only have I think prop lines for like three of the fights so far. I think Volkov uh, main event, Barbarina Edwards, Green Khabilov, and that's it. Yep, just three fights. So yeah, uh, I might play the <clears throat> um, Holbrook by sub and then hedge it with. Holbrook Goody does not go the distance, but that'll probably be out to play or too far out of range to play as far as does not go the distance. So maybe just look at the Holbrook Goody, Goody does not go the distance for um, a prop parlay piece if you're a part of a, a house like a Five Dimes or another one that allows you, um, I think Bovada lets you do it on some, uh, they allow you to put actual prop pieces into your parlay. You know, Each house is a little different in the rules there. So anyways, next fight. Um... Boyan Mikhailovich versus Abdul Karim Edelov. Um, minus 620 favorite Edelov. Comeback on Mikhailovich. The jobbiest of jobbers. Plus 460. And Mikhailovich is just a shit kicker. He's just a guy that kicks people and spits, spits on them when they're down. Or pushes refs like in the regional scenes. And, you know, tries to look all tough even though, you know... <laughs> Just, just not a really good looking, not a really uh, good look for a human being there. And then, of course, the UFC brings him in and rewards him with Francis Ngannou. And like most bullies, you see them crumble. And he was just, yeah, he was just waiting to go down. Uh, decides to cut down to maybe ten Krispy Kreme donuts from twelve. Makes light heavyweight for his next fight, and loses to fucking Hakeem Christensen. We'll just leave it at that. Um, Mihailovic, yeah, I mean, I almost didn't you know, need to see who he was facing to know he was going to be a big dog. Um, and you know me, Dan Thompson, he's really respectful, so it <laughs> takes a lot for me to say that. But yeah, I don't think I'll be getting any uh, angry tweets defending Mihailovic, put it that way. Um, but yeah, Edelof, uh, I'm going to pull him up here. Sorry, all these guys are kind of blending in. 
But uh, I believe he's a Team Ahmad guy or whatever. Uh, he's one of the, a couple of these dudes here, which we'll get to in a second. Kind of, you know, you go to their Instagram feeds and they have like pictures of Karadov. I don't know if they're just like having to post pictures of Karadov or these other like Russian dudes. Like it's like a North Korea thing. Like you're not crying hard enough, kind of shit. Because like even just on this card alone, like going to a lot of these, you know, Chechen fighters, like they just have like uh, on their Instagram like training, food. Pictures of friends not smiling, more pictures of friends not smiling, them not smiling, and then weird modelistic, like, I'm making up words now, but yeah, like, shots of a carrot off, and like, uh, the guy from ACB, like, has some in there, it's like, okay, this is really weird. But yeah, he hasn't fought since 2015, so it's like, well, what, what's he been doing all this time, you know, yep, you're training, yep, I was right there, Ahmad fight team, you know, he's Grozny, you know. Chechen guys, and uh, so I'm, I'm sure he's been getting better. I mean, he's only 25, I mean, yeah, but um, Jesus, I'm looking at his sure dog picture, and even in his sure dog picture, he's got the, those weird model uh, dictator dudes, and he's got one on a t-shirt. That's great. Anyways, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I can't even say, you know, buy at your own risk there, because it's, it, it's too out of price, so. I don't even need to tell you what to do. Just watch the shit show and crack one open there. All right. The next fight. Mike Santiago recently off of, uh, fresh off of Dana White Contender Series. It's a big dog. Uh, plus 355 against Zabit Magomedshabirov. Magomedshabirov is minus 445. And, um, yeah, I really like this guy. I mean, the problem is he hasn't been around since, um, was it, ACB 45 or some shit? But yeah, I mean, but uh, there's a lot to like. Um, you know, you, you want to see him get paired up against a wrestler in the American scene, and on paper, that's what Santiago offers. I mean, you know, he grew up wrestling and transferred that over to BJJ. I think he's I think he's a brown belt right now. Uh, and I think he just kind of was... It, it's hard because he should be the dog, and I almost don't disagree with... Like, if, don't disagree with the line here, even though it's really kind of inflated, to be honest. Um, but as far as like what you have to pick from, uh, and you're not, and that's not including props, just like straight up guys. Sadly, the minus four forty five on Magomed Shapiro puts him on one of the two people that I would even humor for a parlay piece, which you'd have to make <laughs> make up for the value on some other end if you're putting a minus four forty five in any type of parlay. But yeah, um, but but I really like Zabit, man. He's got a mean left hook. Uh, works it off a of front teep, right hand, jab. Accurate, just super accurate. Will sit down even though he's kind of a lanky guy. The the, pair, the power carries through with the range. Um, you have to imagine with the guys that he's training with, uh, he is uh, getting his healthy Sambo looks. You know, his healthy uh, Sanda clinch takedowns, having to defend those and and whatnot. I mean, he doesn't look lost when he's from his back. He works well from a front headlock, which means that if, you know, Santiago gets sloppy on any of his shots, which we'll get a little more into this in, a, in an upcoming fight, it's a little more relevant, but, you know, a wrestler gets sloppy on a shot against a guy who's good off front headlock, whether it's transitioning off punching you or taking it back, you're not going to have a good time. So, I mean, there's going to be things to look for if Santiago tries to grapple, which I imagine... That's the game plan coming in. That may open up another can of worms. And again, it just depends on what we see from Zabit. He's still young. You know, it's been a year since we've seen him, roughly. So, um, 
so yeah, yeah, yeah. W- worth watching the under over you know, set at one and a half. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. It really depends on how both of them, mainly how Santiago approaches. I think that w- that's what depends as far as how soon it ends, r- regardless of, of who uh, ends up winning. But yeah, I got I got Zabit there. Um, I did throw him in a like a, like a, a five legger. Uh, which is obviously just for fun because you have to have some time interest to keep this damn thing interesting. As we move to the next fight, uh, Alexander Rakic, minus 125 favorite versus Fransimar Bohos, plus 105 dog. Mar Bohos, I've said it many times before. Again, Dan Tom really tries to be respectful, but there's just some fighters that just made me want to put a gun in my head and paint the walls, and Fransimar Bohos is one of them. I don't think I can say this about any fighter I research where I go, I just want all that time back. Like, I want it back, and I'm upset that I can't get it back. Like, I would hop in creepy fucking Doc Brown's DeLorean to go back in time to not watch the Francis Barbahose footage because, like, it feels like it robs your time. It doesn't just feel like it robs your time. That's an understatement. Like, you watch five minutes of Francis Barbahose footage... It's like you just stepped into Narnia's closet. You come back out. Your kids of fucking of all age. They're all older than you, and you're just like, for what? France and Marvel host footage. Like I, it, I just tried to watch one round. Why did that take an eternity? Because it feels like it. Anyways, that being said, I'm just gonna leave that as my breakdown for him. You know me. I usually go in a deeper. But France and Marvel host. He's, he's great at killing action. Throw one shot. Switch his stance. Maybe throw that. Left cross from a southpaw. Oh, clinch in with you. Push against the fence. And that's like the whole round. Okay. But uh, Alexander Rechich, he actually is um, one of the straight plays. Uh, I put a half a unit at minus 125. Because again, uh, like I said with the favorites I alluded to, they're out of price and they're paid up. And and they're paired up with live dogs. So for those... For those reasons, like all these minus three hundreds, I just, I just, I pretty much avoided minus one of them, which is coming up um, <clears throat> later. But Alexander, uh, he's kind of an inactive guy too, and I, I couldn't find the Sergio Souza fight, his most recent one. I was able just to find his his last fight in AFC in uh, twenty fifteen. But uh, this dude is a mean looking athletic dude. Uh, excellent striking. He's gonna make it a fight. Uh, looks to have decent strong in the clinch as far as counter-wrestling and natural wrestling goes when he looks to try it. Um, they brought him in. Uh, I mean, he's, and he did five weeks at American Top Team, which I like. is a big leaner. Uh, a lot of his training photos are with uh, JDS and with him being 6'5 and looking at how this guy strikes and how he just kind of forces devastating action. That is Alexander uh, Rakic. Um, I'm guessing he's one of the guys they brought in for Nganu for that camp. So he got the benefit of training at a high-level place with high-level training partners, and now gets he's the one that gets to end up fighting in the UFC. Uh, well, JJDS, of course, can, but he's got his own deal to deal with, neither here nor there. Anyways, every from all accounts, this guy's the real deal. So against a guy who's just kind of fading, the UFC doesn't like, uh, just offers very little to no- nothing. Like, I would rather fucking put Bob Ross in an MMA fight and part of the pun would paint a better, more pleasing picture than France and Marba Hose. All right, this isn't the Hose, France and Marba Hose hour, so I'm just going to move the fuck on. But I did put a half unit on um, Ray Kick there. All righty then. Next fight on Fight Pass, because they're all on Fight Pass. Um, Desmond Green, plus two fitted dog uh, on Rustam Khabilov. 
Kabilabov, uh, as I, my man Kevin Lee likes to say, minus 300, which is like typical Kabilov. Like, if you had a restaurant, like everything would be priced minus 300 because those are like his exact chances in a fight. He does the France Marbahos thing, but does it more effectively where he kind of will just I'll switch his stance, I'll throw, but he'll throw something a little more flashy, maybe a little more effective than a France Marbahos. And of course, much better wrestler, much better clinch fighter, which the clinch the, is the, you know, the neutralizer of all neutralizers if you can, if you're good in there and that's your game. And that is Rustov's game since his, you know, TKO thumb injury of Yancy Madero's seemingly, um, Dagestan Airlines. I don't know if they got shut down for health code or what the fuck's going on. Or maybe, you know, USADA fucked up D- Dagestan Airlines. I don't know, but like they haven't been flying as many planes quite as high lately. We'll just say that. And Kabilov is a guy that you kind of always look to fade. And I-, I wanted to fade him here, but, 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 but I did pick him. But again, he's amongst those where the price doesn't necessarily match. And the dog is live because, you know, Dan Tom loves his South durable Southpaw wrestlers. And... Especially ones who maybe they might not be as special as his wrestling accolades. Again, Desmond Green, deep, pretty decent amateur wrestler when you go look at... Uh, not a lot of footage out there, but I mean, as far as accolades go. Um, but uh, just very kind of... Uh, you know, he's explosive when he needs to be. He moves well when he needs to, but he's not the most fluid guy. He can be kind of choppy, especially with his striking. Made a lot of strides as of late. I, I, I think you got to credit that to... Um, you know, working with Henry Hoof, uh, he started working with Henry Hoof. I believe his first camp was what was that? The, the uh, Andre Harrison fight, uh, which was his last loss, about four or five fights ago. And again, Andre Harrison's proven himself to be a championship fighter who wins rounds, right? I mean, getting some names under his belt. So not a lot of shame in that, especially when you consider that you know Harrison rocked uh, Des Green early in that fight with the right hand, and that 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 kind of kind of set a tone, if you will. Um. But, but yeah, uh, I don't think, you know, Dez is going to dominate, wrestle, maybe take down Rustam. But the question is, is he good enough to stop the takedowns and stifle? Because if he can stop, stifle, and, you know, move forward, land more cleaner shots, show his fight-to-fight improvements with his hands that he's been showing, um, Rustam's pr- progressions have not been great. I mean, he's been camp jumping, having visa issues, part of the reason for the camp jumping, and just not having the consistency. Again, Dagestan Airlines, not the same. Speculate all you will. Um, you know, it's like a post 9-11 over there, Dagestan Airlines takes forever to get the security checkpoints. It's, it's a fucking, it's not a fun ride. It's not a fun ride. Not, not, not in the fun ride since it used to be not a fun ride. Cause at least that was fun for the viewers, but Kabilov, you know, um, amongst the fighter, we're going to be, uh, mention, I keep foreshadowing ahead of the car, but it's just, there's so much similarities to a lot of these fights, whether I'm talking about their Instagram feed or the status of their careers and having to shit or get off the pot. And I think... You know, I say this in love because I actually I like Kabilov. I really do. It's just there's certain these guys, which we'll get to, and the one I'm alluding to, just to not be so cryptic, is ties him off to Kabilov, where it's just like, fuck, man. Your visa issues and ties him off at least puts on fucking shows. Granted, he's had much more favorable matchmaking than Kabilov. We'll get to ties him off in a second. But, but yeah, it's just kind of you're just frustrated because you, you're a fan of these guys. They're not getting any younger, and you know what they can do. Let's just get them matched up correctly. And they're in these prelim fucking, I'm pantomiming the jerk-off thing, you know, bullshit matches. You're just like, great, this means fuck all. 
All right. Um, but <laughs> sorry, there's <laughs> a tone in me tonight. I'm not in a bad mood, by the way. I'm just trying to get through it, and and I think I think if my tone's reflecting anything, I assure you, it's not. My, I'm in a good mood. I think my tone is maybe just reflective of maybe just the quality of the card and the fact that um, your boy, your boy, you know, still put putting his hours to uh, to do a study for it, and you're just like, why? <laughs> Cause like we should be fiending. Like I should be like you know suckling at the teat, at the MMA teat for some more, some more action after this this, this drought and dry spell. But I enjoyed the break, man. And as much as I'm glad to be back, it's just, I don't feel that I'm as excited as I should be. I guess is what I'm trying to say with a card like this. So I apologize if that's reflective. But but yeah, I assure you, it's not you. It's me. Actually, it's not me either. But yeah, it's this card. Let's just say that. All right, Des Green, Hobbyloff. There's not really much to say there, right? Oh, by the way, the over. I like the over a lot. Um, it's over most confident on, and obviously because it's like priced higher than women's over, so you know it's a high over. It's like minus 350 now, but I think it's uh, a solid for a parlay piece as far as like what you have to choose from. I think it's more solid than any straight pick. So Des Green, Des Green, Des Green Rustam over, if you're in a house that allows you to do that. Overs are usually much easier to parlay, um, even in the more stricter, limited houses. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Next fight. Why did I almost go into a bore out there? Mads Burnell versus Michel Precheres. Michel. I always think of Ben Stiller and Dodgeball. Michel. But, um, yeah. Hmm. Precheres minus 360. Come back on Brunel 300. Pacheres was a guy where usually underrated. You know what he's going to do. Top grappler. Pretty durable. Looks like a shrunken Fabricio Verdum. Like all the checkbox. And why is that a checkbox? But um, but yeah, I mean, so, but uh, I wanted to look to Benham as a parlay piece. But I actually really like what I saw from Mads Brunel. Remember we were talking about guys, games who depend on wrestling and how that can be really dangerous when they're whether it's the clinch or they're shooting head first, their head first guy likes to get on top, but they're going against a guy who's dangerous from a front headlock. Well, that's Mads Brunel. Mads Brunel is he doesn't have a lengthy frame by any means, though anybody could arguably have a lengthy frame when you're dealing with a stout man like Precheres. But uh, Mads Brunel is really good from the front headlock. Granted, it's not against the best competition. He's hitting these Japanese uh, necktie variations. Japanese necktie, by the way. Um, essentially looks like a Darce, or it looks like, depending on how someone is setting up a Darce, it looks like step three out of step four for the Darce before they actually kind of slide their hand through and do the uh, clasp where you have one hand grabbing the bicep and the other hand curling, and as you tighten your grip, finishing a Darce choke, right? Uh, just for the layman's terms, and also since we're only on audio, it's essentially a variation of that, like if you were at like step three or 3.5 before you start sliding your arms in a vice grip fashion. Um, looks, looks like, you know, and I, uh, forgive me, I'm sure this is a gi term that I'm catching on, or maybe it is a gi term and it's a different one, but as far as just more of a, I'm saying this more for the physical visual, but it almost looks like a, like a paper cutter. And then, and I say there's probably another term cause I'm pretty sure there's a paper cutter choke. That's not what I'm talking about here. Anyways, similar to a Dars, fucking guy is really good at it. More importantly, um, he's like a, one of those Danish, like, Real Dutch strikers, da da Danish boxers, you know, reminds me of Martin Kampman. Very less kicks, more boxing, which is good against a guy who's going to be trying to take you down like Bashar is. But yeah, man, it looks like, my gosh, my dog is just lighting me up with farts right now. Oh my goodness, he's just, 
Oh, it's like thousand-year-old duck eggs rotting in there, Benjamin. But yeah, um, oh Jesus, where was I? All right, if I get lightheaded and pass out, y'all know why. Um, <laughs> but no, it looks like he could tune up Pacheras too. So like now you pair that. Like, what if he is tuning catches him early, or Pacheras tires as you know he has done in the past. And, He's won some fights maybe he shouldn't have won. Like I think Valmir Lazaro was kind of a questionable one. But still, again, underrated guy. Nevertheless, he's not beyond getting caught with a shot, even though he's got a chin and his stature and the way he engages makes him difficult to hit. He can still be hit, especially with a guy that looks like he's got something to offer, which is Brunel. So even if he doesn't you know, one-hitter quitter him, all he has to do is shake his confidence, rock him a little bit, make him shoot a bad shot. I could easily see that happen to him. You know, he gets tagged, he's like, oh, let me just shoot in to be safe. And boom, you go right into the guy, out of the frying pan, into the fire. Kind of the reason, you know, why I was really high on Tony Ferguson beating Khabib Nurmagomedov. Because he had to, Khabib's great once he gets on top, he's second to none, taking him down. But that small little space, that entry, that little entry point is just a fucking furnace for certain guys. So, yeah, uh... I might actually, and you know, again, it's the official pick, but don't be mad. Y'all get my opinion here. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is one of those ones where it's like you pick one guy and to be a degenerate, maybe if a previous bet hits, maybe if that uh, rack, uh, rack you know, hits, maybe I, I do a little sprinkle on Brunel, like a dollar bet just for fun, you know, kind of one of those things there. I mean, it's the dude's live. I couldn't pick him. Again, I've been burnt by Pacheres, and Pacheres is underrated, justifiably so. Um, and he's the kind of guy, you know, you want to bet on until his style or he himself and his body otherwise catches up with him. All right. Next fight, Maribek ties him off. Minus 260, comeback on Philippe Silva, plus 200. Ah, man. Um Silva's live here. This is another one where, like, you want to look to bet ties him off because, you know, he, everybody's all high on him and he never gets gets matched up with, you know, guys he should be getting matched up with. And he isn't here, but Philippe Silva is still alive. It's like one of those J Johnny Eduardo type cats who, you know, kill people in the gym, came up striking, have all these miles striking, but really don't have a lot of MMA sample size. And it's like, okay, a lot of his fights came against not great people, but that doesn't mean he's not a killer because once he got in there with Shane Campbell, he just disposed of Shane Campbell. Now, Shane Campbell's on a downslide, but Shane Campbell, who uh, I think he's much better than uh, people uh, g g gave him credit for. Shane Campbell, go watch you know, his K-1 fights, his earlier stuff. Like This dude can crack. He's one of the, the better you know uh, Thai boxers who come out of Canada. Um, Toshido guy came with Roy McDonald, you know, probably some hard miles in and out of the ring. In other words, uh, on him as well. But nevertheless, that was still really impressive the way Philippe Silva, who's kind of a tall guy, sits into his shots. And even though he can plod and be mean and stalk like a Muay Thai guy, Philippe Silva also does that team alpha male kind of thing where he'll do those blitz blitz feints, as I like to call them, for lack of a better word. Will he'll almost run at you to get that reaction and get you to like, kind of tighten, flinch, and react. And there's a feint, and once your guard comes down to react, throw, adjust your guard, lower, see what's going on, etc., then he's hitting it. Just an offbeat, half-beat, half-step later, cracking guys, and he's got that beautiful cleanup hitting left hook. You, you see Philippe Silva hit Shane Campbell with it. He goes to the liver beautifully, like a, 
which one of my favorite shots as far as not just liver shots in general, which I love the liver shots in general, but, you know, Mickey Ward style, just digging, biting down your mouthpiece and digging into that, that fucking liver. And he did that. And he doesn't even miss it. He doesn't even stop to look at his work because immediately he throws a right hand to get his attention from the opposite side, kitty corner where he just hit him in the liver. Because really, the cleanup, the defense, uh, the, you know, the, the um, definite shot was neither the right hand or the left hook to the liver because he goes, left hook, liver, doesn't miss a beat, doesn't stop to look at his work. Right hand gets him thinking up top, and boom, left hook to the head because the guard is just discombobulated. It's going high on the left side, it's going low on the right, but really the left hook to the head is is is, is uh, his money shot there. At least sets up other fight ending shots. Uh, so Philippe Silva could be very live, could could very well test Tizimov, who, you know. I pick Hadjovic against him, but Hadjovic is, is mean. He's a killer, man. If you watch his fights before, and even though he, you know, uh, wasn't doing the greatest up until landing that that that, that uh, KO of his last fight, um, you know, Hadjovic was doing was doing well in the brief moment before he got finished against Tizimov. Um and Tizimov does not grapple as much as he should, being that that's his bread and butter as far as outside of MMA and his early MMA fights and experiences. Um, you know, Tizimov's one of those guys I, I'm really like salivating looking to fade. Really am. I just, I couldn't do it here. I don't think this is a spot. But believe me, they're going to give it to him late, which I hate. I hate when they give talented guys competition late, whereas like they just shovel and they make prospects, veterans, martial artists, or, you know, older martial artist guys, sympathetic guys, whatever. They just fucking put them out to pasture too soon. But then they take their fucking time with their most talented guys, and it drives me fucking nuts. Like, I get it. We have to condition guys. Maybe we could take a little bit from the boxing era, but, like, it just feels like we overdo it, you know? I always throw out the va- giving fucking John- guys like John Jones, Matsushenko, and shit like that. Like, come on! It's a little over the top, you know? And, and ties him off. Granted, it's a little different than the John Jones situation. He's not John Jones, nor is a situation like John Jones. Um, again, a lot of visa issues there for Tizimov or injury, which is another problem. You know, he just he had a sol- shoulder injury and had to pull out of a fight uh, not too much before it was originally get, say, getting set to kick off, which was, I believe, in May, later May of that, right, if memory serves. So it's like he's going to turn around and shoulder things can – shoulders are funny. Shoulders are like backs. They come back. You never really get rid of them, and they're always one tweak away from coming back. So with all his issues and all the bullshit, like that was part of the reason why I went so heavy on betting against Cain Velasquez against Verdum because not only the layoff and the elevation and Verdum's good and the dynamic of the matchup, which was more than enough reason to bet Verdum against Cain, but it was because Cain, not so much he's always injured or always has issue, but he was in a spot where he was super inactive, you know, he only had maybe one fight in the last three years or last two years, and then there was like two pullouts before that fight. There's two pullouts since that fight. The fight that he's entering in now was already supposed to happen. It's like, you know, it's these kind of package of intangibles where now put yourself, the reason why it's a real intangible, because it's like, you don't have to be a fighter to put yourself in their shoes and be like, Holy crap, that's like being on your, your second strike at work, right? You know, even the most responsible workers, we've all had jobs or had times in our life or circumstances that happen where we're fucking walking on thin ice and it does not feel good, right? And when you're in those situations, your boss can be like, hey, man, uh, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah shit job. Uh, 
you can say no, but do you want it? And even though you can say no, you kind of know, like, I got to say yes. It's like, you know, UFC, you're on two losses or three losses in a row. You know you should be cut, but they're like, listen, we probably should cut you, but we're going to give you another chance. Really? Thanks. That's right. How's John Jones? And <laughs> you're like, oh, fuck. No. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you're on thin ice. So it's, in other words, Maribek Tysonov, whether he's healthy or not, he's showing up to the dance. And he's got to perform. And he's got to do it against a guy who's dangerous, 8-0, and and is much more dangerous even, in my opinion, than that 8-0 leads on. That said, this has to be the fight where Tysonov not only, again, shits or get off the pot. And this is weird to say because he's got an active finish streak of four, which is like, I believe, a record, if not top three in the lightweight division. Not shitting on Tysonov here, but the space out of those fights, the quality of competition, the ups and downs, the teases... The lack of big names from aside from, you know, and the lack of emphasis on it. Like, oh, what, you have a, one Instagram post in your last 30 I just checked, and it's you doing the I'm Russian, whatever, and then I'm not going to smile in my photo, but I'm going to type, I'm ready to fight the top 15. Like, oh, really? Now you're ready? After how many pullouts and how many wins? Like, come on, man. Just do it already. Go in, beat Felipe Silva impressively. Uh, whether it's on the feet or whether you're going to show us you're going to be smart, return to your submission fighting, and then say, I'm going to fight a a top 10 in America. I need to be on the main card. Pay-per-view, FS1, co-main, top 10, top 5, no less, American, name in America. Fucking get me there. That's what Tyson should be saying. All right, sorry, a little passionate about that. But again, it's, it's out of love. I, I'm a fan of Tysonoff. Like, I, I want to see these guys do it. It's just frustrating, you know? Not seeing this. But, um, all right, last fight on the prelims. This one is uh, on the avoid. By the way, yeah, Silva, Tysonoff are official avoids, and uh, Burnell and Prescherez official avoids. Um, and, of course, uh, yes, Till, eventually, there's another official avoid. These aren't. Listed, because, again, I don't think they're going to be listed. We're going to be doing the format the same. Otherwise, on the breakdown for Junkie, but kind of up in the air. Bear with me. You're getting the details here. It's an avoid. Uh, this one, I was looking for reasons to bet uh, Velichkovich. You know, it's hard to, to depend on Darren Till. I love the confidence. I love the southpaw-style striking. I can see the one-handed, single-sided criticisms, but I believe there's more than that, and he's still young, so there's plenty of room to build. He is improving fight to fight. There's a lot of slickness there in the striking, and especially in the clinch wrestling that I believe a lot of people aren't seeing. And it's because of those things in the clinch wrestling, his awareness of overhooks, the strength of hips. He's one of those, again, what I love about the traditional Muay Thai guys, slow burns can be really bad in MMA because you only have three rounds to work, and I realize that as as much as I'm partial to the style, it does not favor you. But a lot of these people have good clenches because if they're going, coming up through more real or traditional or these variations of slang to to official term that I and many like to use, the good thing is you're actually getting real. It's not like they're just doing Muay Thai where like they're just trying to get hot chicks in the class and they teach you how to throw a leg kick and they're just fucking repping you. No, like you, you, you I, I like seeing more of the traditional bases uh, of, of Muay Thai in the sense of, you know, you're going to be doing neck wrestling and stuff like that. Like, they're really not fun stuff because there's a lot of grappling in Muay Thai and a lot of the, those aspects a lot of people don't realize. So I think whether it was when Till went to Thailand, uh, the places he trained in Brazil, or from his original coach, co- coaches who, you know, born and bred him in northern England, uh, I think that that does well 
um, that does well for him here against Velichkovic, who, for better or worse, whether he's winning a fight, it's a close fight, or he's losing a fight, it's because of wrestling that's either his offensive wrestling is failing him or his defensive wrestling is failing him in all those phases of the fight for the most part. He's And, and, and again, I, I was looking for reasons to, to bet Boyan Velichkovic here, but I actually felt more confident in Darren Till as I kept looking at it because... It's hard, man. Velichkovic is the total package. He's athletic. He's smart. He's well-spoken. He's got a good character. He has that likability intangible, that athletic intangible. You look at his fights at RFA before he came over. Like, There's a lot of potential and moments of brilliance, but you know, then you look at the competition it's, it's against, and then you look at the competition he's faced and how he's looked subsequently now after you know four fights in or whatever it is at the UFC. You know, you, you want to expect more, but at the same time, you want to temper that statement because he's still young and he, he does have that athletic potential at the end of the day. He is surrounded by smart minds. He, You listen to interview, uh, shout out to, you know, again, Half the Battle is a really good interview there um, on, on Boyan. And the same actually episode, I believe, uh, Levy interviews, interviews Till. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the things Boyan's saying, man. Um, I, I want him to do well here and regardless. But uh, I didn't play this. I'm just going to enjoy this fight, by the way. So I, I really do want Boyan to do well. But, but man, I got Till here. I got Darren Till because I'm going to do it. Because I'm confident. And I'll do it. Trust me. But, yeah, he... he uh, nah, it's not even the confidence that sold me, honestly. It, it, obviously, it, I think you know we talked about his his counter left and 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 whatnot and I I, I talked about it before his fight with Yari and and that's what he showed but again when when you're those traditional Muay Thai guys when you find something that works you're gonna drill it over and over again a lot of times it, it was kicks for Darren Till that's what he was known for before the UFC in the sparring rooms but you have a guy who it was we seen from his Zach Cunning fights and subsequent fights in Dalby who counter left hands was where's kryptonite that wasn't just on accident that Darren Till found that and again you come from that traditional Muay Thai background you find something you're going to you're going to attack it you're going to attack it again and again and again so I can't blame him for doing it again and again in the Dalby fight I, I can't blame him for doing it again and again in the Yari fight I mean, the, the, that was the dynamic of the matchup of what it presented. It was working throughout both fights. Um, why not? But this is a fight where I do think the body kicks come in because Velichkovic is that's one of his things that that you look at the common common opponents. They're they're landing body kicks, and a lot of these guys aren't body kickers. A lot of them aren't even freaking strikers, and they're landing body kicks on Velichkovic, and that's because he has a propensity to shell and. His long frame, as impressive as it is, and I'd rather have a long frame than not a long frame in life and in MMA. But we're talking about MMA, especially in MMA. The problem is also makes you a little more susceptible in the open in the midsection. So couple that with a shelling guard, a propensity to shell that high guard. Oh, it's going to be teeps, knees, and liver kicks all day. Um, and I don't think Velechkovic is going to be want to want to be in there because. You know, to close that kicking range, he'll be exposing him to the mid range, which is the counter left. And then if he gets past both those ranges altogether, right into the clinching range, well, then again, not only do I think his wrestling is not going to work against Darren Till, which is kind of looks to me something you need to be able to do with Darren Till, at least if not beat him on the ground, but at least mix up the takedowns enough to score points, win rounds, and throw off his striking, give him something to think about. But I don't think you're going to make it to any of those because the choke point that we talked about when the choke point happens before any of those possibilities, 
oh, makes me dim, dims my optimism. And it dims my optimism here because I think Darren Till is going to defend in the clinch well the wrestling and it's going to retaliate, retort, if you will, with knees, elbows, and all sorts of things. So, so man, I got, I got Darren Till here. But despite the playable minus 185 that he's at, I, I stayed away from this thing because... Volichovich, he just might, he might very well. This might be the fight where he does put it, pull it together. This might be the fight. But when you look at the draws, split decisions, questionable decisions, losses, it's in a different way than ties him off. Shit or get off the pot time for Volichovich. Yes, we could say that. All right. On that beat, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to unpack or I will unpack the main card. UFC Rotterdam right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Second Act Podcast, UFC Rotterdam main card breakdown. And uh, while we jump into this four-fight main card, I'm going to do some double duty. I'm going to finish up the Protecting Act Podcast and this breakdown while I prep for Game of Thrones. Dan, how are you going to do that? How do you even forget doing the podcast at the same time? How do you, how do you prep for Game of Thrones? Well, yeah, that's how. Ooh. Brew Free or Die IPA, 21st Amendment, India Pale Ale. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, I, I, I suggest it if you see it in grocery stores near you. They're San Francisco brewery, but I've seen them as far east as New York. So there you go for your beer people. All right, uh, the fight I'm looking forward to most, um, Leon Edwards, who is the favorite. Minus 270 versus Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Plus 230. Looks like the line's kind of evened out because this is a closer fight than I think the line is. Um, now, the pick is Edwards. Uh, I think he's the deserved favorite. But as you all know, I got a soft spot for Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Um, you know, again, one, 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 of the, one of the few and only analysts to officially pick him against both Sage Northcutt which was sounds you know oh duh but hey no one was picking fucking Bam Bam who by the way was taking the fight on like six or eight days notice but even I was just like what's wrong with everybody how how y'all not see what I'm seeing anyway picked him against Warley but I didn't pick him against Colby but I was right there at least I mean Colby did win and then picked him against Joe Proctor Joe Proctor for the college hockey and um, you know the the Proctor fight especially is worthy of note because I think um, that check right hook that. You know, one of my favorite punches, you know, don't leave home without it if you're a southpaw. That check right hook is one of, is Bam Bam's probably, probably one of his best punches. You I mean, he's getting better with his pull counters and his footwork to set up his pull counters for his left. You know, setting up those angles, faint, faint baiting. And he's going to need to do all that and then some because Leon Edwards will not only be the faster guy, he'll be the more technical guy. And Bam Bam... Thank God he's got a great chin because he takes a lot of damage, especially early on. It takes him a while to get going. So I could see him, you know, having, even with his chin, still having to get through some turbulence. But 
I, I see this fight being competitive. I don't blame you if you wanted to like play the over at two and a half for minus two forty. I think I, I think I played a little higher, like at like at minus two seventy five for like a fight starts round three. Um, let's see. Not two seventy eight. Sorry. Yep. Fight starts round three. But yeah, um, you know, for, for for you know parlay fodder and stuff like that. But I think this is going to be competitive. It's going to come down to their hooks, hooks and counters. Because even though both both guys are showing a good chin, good recovery, or very game, very technical, know how to survive and still fight. That's those are the live shots standing, and it's going to come down to the clinch. Because as we've seen with Leon Edwards, he's kind of turned himself into a wrestler after getting out wrestled. Well, even before the Usman fight, he was he was showing ever since his like you know. Split decision loss to, uh, what's his name, Felipe or whatever in Brazil. Um, Edwards really, really seemed to have a fire lit under his ass and, like, worked his uh, worked his wrestling. Real slick trips, uh, especially outside trips from the clinch. But that's where Barbarina works best for him. He pops elbows beautifully. Like, he'll make space and then fire off those little short elbows. He's, he's, he's awesome at it. Mixing knees. If he does get taken down, he gets up very fast. Um, you know, he fights hands as it properly turtles out the stand. I mean, he he was actually doing a better job, as, even though he was clearly losing. Uh, he was doing a better job than Dong Young Kim did against uh, Colby Covington in certain spots. But I think that's because Dong Young Kim was letting it frustrate him. That was more of a mental thing, whereas um, Barbarina, obviously not as skilled as Dong Young Kim, as a grappler at least. But Barbarina, mentally not not going to quit. Like Even Colby Covington, as, as rough around the edges as you can see him, especially competition Colby, especially if you're fighting him and you sign the dotted line, he is a Diaz brother in the sense of he or the, his mortal enemy. You could even, you go back and watch the fight, you can even tell right after the bell sounds even, like Colby's giving, giving Barbarina respect and props. And I think that's huge when you can get that from dudes like that are wired like Covington with that attitude. Whether you like the dude or not, the dude, if that guy gives you respect, you probably fucking earned it. And uh, Barbarina is one of those guys. I think he's going to earn Edwards' respect and hopefully many others, regardless if we wins or loses. But um, I'll be rooting for Barbarina, you know. Uh, and uh, I'll be staying away from this fight, though. This is on my avoid. And it's on my avoid because, you know, again, this is another one where, uh, not just because I like Barbarina, but because the line's off and it's a lot closer than I think, where, you know, maybe you do a dollar bet on the. Or do a little light sprinkle, a dollar bet for me because I'm a cheap ass. But you know, you do a little light sprinkle on the dog to keep it interesting, even if you know Barb's Bam Bam's not your pick. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna miss a lot on these, by the way. But I feel less bad bad about it because you can get the in-depth breakdown where I don't miss anything. Well, yeah, you know, except probably the pick. But <laughs> as far as analysis goes, you can get you can get all the tidbits. In other words, uh, MMAJunkie.com should be coming out this week. So. So, yeah, but uh, you listen to Protect Your Neck Podcasts, you know, you use a little bit of tidbits here. But as far as all my print written breakdowns, the flagship of my content, the mainstay, baby, that'll be a junkie. So, sorry I keep reminding y'all. Cause I'm, I'm going to have to remind myself, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm so used to saying certain things, I have to, like, re-record this intro, like, three times. So I keep fucking... Anyways, neither here nor there. Let's go to the next fight. Um, Rob Wilkinson, plus 125 dog, because he's filling in for Azatar. And he's facing Ciara Bahadrezada. One of my favorite interviews on uh, MMA Junkie Radio, by the way. Um, before my day, obviously, when I was just a listener. But uh, yeah, Ciara on back like 2012 or 2013 when he first came on the scene. I think it was either right before or right after he knocked out Paulo Tiago. 
And uh, it was just crazy to hear, man, because like, I, I had a friend in college who's from, uh, well, he called it Palestine still. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, you know, you, it, it, you know, God, I sound so ignorant right now. But anyways, but, like, you hear stories from people that just, we'll put it this, we'll forget the demographics. Hear stories from people from that part of the world, no matter what side, religion, race, or creed they're from. It's, it makes you value our soft little lives, at least over here in America. And uh, CR was sharing some some fucking stories. I mean, he, if you don't know a story, he migrated from Afghanistan with his family, age 15, in the Netherlands. And, uh, like, war-torn Afghanistan, you know what I mean? Like, um, just, you know... Uh, like, you know, he was recounting stories of walking through dead bodies as a teenage boy. Like, that was normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not pretty stuff this dude was exposed to. And he's, like, a really nice guy in person, too. Like, you know, spoken people interviewed him in person and this and that. Like, really nice dude. And he, he comes off that way, but also just very tough, you know. He's, he's cut from a different, you know, cut from a different, um, you know, carved, carved out of different material than, than, than you or me for, for the most part. Uh, not to generalize those on the other side of the mic, but yeah, yeah he definitely comes from a from a special place. But uh, the dude's resilient. Now, now the question, as far as analysis goes, is: Is this where he gets old? Is this where things catch up to him, or this or that? And like, he's facing a guy on paper that should pose problems for him. You know, a, a durable push forward grapple. I'm gonna submit you, guy, because that's you know, CR is, is resilient. We saw Dong Young Kim just weigh on him and stuff and you know but but at the same time even though he hasn't given up submissions easily he if you look at the fights the decisions he's lost more more than anything obviously uh it's 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 the grappling it's being on bottom you know his get up techniques he, he looked to show improvements of his wrestling though this last time out and but the problem is that was that was a minute ago that was you know pull it up here but and, but you know but the point was before his last time out i believe it was a one year Layoff there too, and, and, and in that time, he you know worked at Jackson's in South Florida, you know a couple different places, and uh, God damn it, fucking advertisements. Guess what side I'm on with <laughs> saying that, uh, but um, what is it? Yeah, yeah, 2013 and 2016. Oh shit, three years. There you go. But in that Thatch fight, which was over a year ago, yeah, March it was March 2016. He's, he did show improved wrestling. Granted, it's Brandon Thatch. Thatch is the big dude. Sierra Bahadurzada, not the biggest welterweight. Uh, Rob Wilkinson, though, does seem like a, a, a sizable, uh, a sizable welterweight. He's durable, but his striking doesn't look great. His head's up there to be hit. Is not a lot of defense. His hands go low, and he seems to get tired, which is something to watch for. I mean, you know, CR is no cardio killer. He's more just kills you with his hands till you're not moving. But um, that's something to look for. I think this fight, either way, will probably get uglier no matter who wins, so long as it keeps going long. But I think this is something where you want to look at. Um, fight does not go the distance because either Wilkinson's going to survive the punches, get CR down, and Wilkinson's, you know, he's not like a submission wizard, but he's pretty skilled. Uh, he's got some physical gifts as well, and looks like he could be a couple steps from kind of igniting and maybe not sparking an explosion, but, you know, lighting himself a decent campfire. Um, but he's going to do that on short notice, traveling on his UFC deb debut. 
Probably not. Uh, I didn't play it yet, but uh, I'll probably play CR straight up. I was gonna play him inside, but you know, might as well just play him straight up for that price. It's close enough, even though it's it's technically juice. So, but uh, at your own risk. Um, it, it it it's not on my official avoid here. My piece of paper, but yeah, it probably should be. <laughs> Put it that way. All right, next matchup, co-main event. Oh my, I'm so fucking sick of breaking down Marion Renault footage. It was kind of a crazy week of adjusting, you know. Uh, I don't lie when I say I put 40 to 50 hours a week into my breakdowns. And now, you know, I'm doing five days a week radio and, 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 and other things too as well. So, not complaining by any means. Don't don't take it that way. But uh, just saying it was... Uh, it was definitely an adjusting week is what I'm trying to say. And there was one fight. I mean, every once in a while, maybe even if there's not crazy stuff going on, there's sometimes, well, I guess, what's that term? Writer's block, right? I mean, there's, there's sometimes there's just those those fights you get hung up on. And it's tough because I got to put myself in like a real state of mind. I hate, I can't, I have to have everything while it's fresh in my head. Otherwise, I've, I found myself going back and rewatching and just kind of retreading the same ground. No one likes doing that. No one likes repeating themselves, so on and so forth. So... I really like blocking out the hours necessary for each matchup, and uh, this was one where I, I had to space. I kept having to space it out for one reason or another, and it just ended up taking me much longer than it should. Um, and uh, of course, I finished the breakdown between Marion Renault and Duranami, and the next day, last week, uh, Duranami out with a hand injury, and I was just fucking livid. And I was like, ah, all right. So, and then of course they don't announce it till like a week later. And slash a week till the less than a week till the fight that uh Talita oh my dog is just fucking bombing on me Ben just scored like by the way his farts I'm I'm still talking but he Benjamin had like four ten eight rounds like on me like the ref's gonna have to like my corner's gonna have to throw in the towel or I'm gonna have to tap out but we're almost there push through Dan um Talita De Oliveira Bernardo uh yeah, she's a plus 250 dog and Mary Renault minus 325. Anyway, so they announced the matchup and, and, you know, watch her footage. Thankfully, there's not a lot of fights <laughs> that she's had, much less that are available. So that was rather quick. So it's really hard to judge. I mean, she, she's got like a Muay Thai red crung, um, pardon the pronunciation, it's a version of belt, their version of ranking, a little more amongst the traditional side. But she almost looks like she's doing a Jose Aldo uh, impersonation unfortunately for her she does not fight like Jose Aldo but as far as that swinging kind of slightly low lead hand and the, 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 the kind of plot slow steady stock um, motion she does the problem is she throws in ones or twos and they're mainly just kind of mm, subpar jabs that set up her leg kicks and throwing ones and twos against somebody who can come forward with throwing at least two pieces, which is Marion Renault, or throwing two pieces off the counter, two, three counters, or one, two coming forward, which is kind of her patent thing. I think it's going to be there all day because uh, Toledo's defense does not look great. Toledo, though, does appear to have much more better, not just better emphasis on the f offensive wrestling, which is the, the critique on Renault. She's so good on the ground. She's so much more physical than a lot of the girls in the division, yet she doesn't even when she's tied up in clenches, go for takedowns as much as you'd like to see, much less shoot. Toledo will go for the takedowns for the clench. She's actually got a decent shot, and that's maybe part of the reason why her 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 volume, why I'm critiquing her volume so hard, and her technique is because there's probably not a lot of emphasis there because she's only using it for just enough window dressing to get the job done, get in on a takedown. 
And she could take Renault down, and that's her path to victory. Maybe take Renault down, get some control time to kind of squeak out two of the three rounds. That's how I see Talita's upset happening. I don't necessarily see it by submission because Mary Renault is not only a black belt like Talita. They're both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts and both PE teachers, by the way. But um, more so, uh, Renault, Renault's been competing and winning at IBJJF level, which is amongst arguably the highest tournament as far as gi, in my opinion, or most credible when I'm looking at accolades, um, IBJJF. And she is as qualified Juan uh, in her divisions as purple belt, brown, and recently as black, like right after getting her black, she competed, which I appreciate um, for another story, which maybe I'll share on another podcast. But um, but yeah, uh, it just says a lot about her, her attitude, Marion Renault. And she's training with Gabby Garcia, and Chris Cyborg at the Roof Kid Gym. I'm sure she's picking up stuff from Jason Perillo. I mean, she's made a little subtle subtle uh, improvements as far as her head movement, movement off strikes, lateral movement in general. I'm talking about Marion Renault. So, so, I mean, there's a lot to like about her. I think she gets it done inside the distance. She hates the judges, and rightfully so. Uh, look at her split decisions and her losses. I mean, there's, there's arguments there. Renault hates the judges. So, weak notice, having to travel, UFC debut... Talita's good on top. She's subtle. She's smooth. She's actually pretty damn slick. But Renault, though, again, her critique, and I hate that she doesn't go there more. She's damn slick, too. More importantly, she has a mean streak to her that I've yet to see from Talita's four fights that I was able to get a hang a hold of. And, um, and yeah, Renault's got a mean streak that translates very well to MMA. So I give her the edge here. She is the other parlay piece. If I had to say, like, you know, a straight-up parlay piece for 325, um, her and Zabit are the only people I would play straight up. Otherwise, it's like Barb Edwards starts around, uh, Barbarina Edwards starts around three, uh, Des Green, Rustam Khabilov over, or the next fight, which I'll get to those plays here. Let's get into it. Stefan Struvers, Alexander Volkov, two of the tallest guys facing each other. And, um, yeah, exciting stuff here, uh, compared to the rest of the card, at least. Uh, essentially, you have Volkov, who's kind of got that karate-slash-kickboxing hybrid. He can go in and out like a karate stylist, but can plant and throw the arsenal uh, you know, uh, of a kickboxer. Stefan Struve kind of coming into his own, been on and off, kind of inconsistent. Was looking really bad there. Was it damage? Was it health issues? Was it all the above? And... I think he's been riding the ship, though he's not really getting too much respect from the odds makers, but the line's really not too off because it should be a near pick em as Stefan Struve, plus 105, underdog Alexander Volkov, minus 125, favorite. Um, all right. Again, go to MMAJunkie.com, get the index. I know I'm going to miss a lot here, but Struve inside the distance is a prop play that one of my most uh, confident ones, even though this is not a fight that you should be confident on either side. As far as props were playing, plus 140, I played that. I also hedged with the over, minus 170, because it's small enough to play straight up, and it's only for over one and a half, mind you. And Volkov is a very safer fighter, especially when he's gotten to the UFC. Um, with the pressure that's going to be on this fight, the, the dynamic of... Volkov's done well against like taller guys like Goltsov and other guys that are like 6'5", 6'6". But Struve is another level, and... 
perhaps even another skill level than he's used to. It's a main stage. There's a lot here for Volkov. I think Volkov's going to fight safe, and that's going to secure the shit out of the over, whether Volkov's winning or losing. But I do have Struve. I have him by submission. I think that's where the big skills gap is. Volkov's got some decent skills there, but Struve can finish the fight from top, bottom. I think he's really deceptive from top. I think he... I think he finds his way on top for this fight, creates a scramble. He's really good from a front headlock. And, you know, he'll pull he's one of the few guys that can actually pull guard and you're not mad at it. You know, he's he is just a clinch of oh, Stefan Struve is just a clinch exchange away from changing the terms of the fight. And so it's not just a simple he has more ways to win than Volkov, which he does. That's why I'm picking him, but no, he is just a clinch terms away from changing terms of the fight. So uh, it was really just hard to go against him here. He also has an underrated uppercut when he's feeling in stride. If he gets his volume going, uh, if he picks up where he left off, I, I think the trend is looking like he's finally picking up where he left off from the Stipe fight before he went on that inconsistency, injury, and health issue, plus personal issue. He had all those things going on, mind you, these last couple years. I mean, and he's an outlier himself. There's really no one to compare Struve to. Physically, on paper... You know, and a division that does not have a lot of depth. So to pretend that we know where this kid's going is silly. But I do feel that we're not maybe giving him enough credit. We'll see. I do like Volkov's style. He is a dark horse in many senses, which doesn't say a lot for the strength of that division. But it is true. He does deserve to be the favorite, to be honest. Uh, I guess I can't be too mad at that. But I like the value. Not the value because it's a, it's a bad word and there's not really that this doesn't fit it i like struve here i like the matchup i got struve inside the distance plus 140 the volkov struve over and as far as parlay fodder you play both those to hedge each other for props straight plays etc but for parlay fodder struve volkov does not go the distance minus 300 um of all the parlay fodder that's minus barbarina edward starts around three that's the lowest so yeah, good parlay fodder there, good value. Again, go the details, the specifics. Go to MMAJunkie.com. Catch me on MMAJunkieRadio.com uh, or well, on iTunes, Sirius Rush, XM93, you know, all the places you can find that show. Uh, five days a week. Not going anywhere with the Protect Your Neck podcast, which is hosted at MixedMartialAnalyst.com. So please go there. The whole library, two years worth. Didn't miss a single damn card. You can go use my analysis, use it for cliff notes, research, etc. It's all there for you. It's all free. But if you'd like while you're there, there are some click-throughs on it. Amazon. Thank you, by the way. We got some more iTunes reviews and ratings. Uh, for the five, All five-star, too, so far. Wow, this is, it just blows me away. So thank you for your five stars. That goes a really long way. Another way you can support for free without spending any extra money or any money at all. And the best way, of course, telling friends, telling fellow MMA fans, all that and more. I really want to try to grow this show, and I'm not going anywhere with it. I Thank you for being with me. I, I really appreciate it. You, you have no fucking clue how grateful I am. Thank you very much. Um, good luck on whatever you do end up on deciding to play. Um, and uh, until next time, protect your neck.